0: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Francesco Papone, and I'm your host. And today me and you are going to talk about veganism. So I had the pleasure to interview a very established expert in the industry. She's from Canada and I'm going to introduce her in a second. But before we do this, I just wanted to say thanks to my long-term client Ankit for a recommendation on our jingle. So I'm specifically looking for something that pumps us up a little bit more so yeah let me know what you think about uh, this jingle and as always I'm very um, grateful that you're here and thank you so much I mean this is crazy uh, for me to think that this is episode 67 and this is already the second year of the lean muscle warrior podcast so if you message me but even if you didn't and you're just uh, listening to the show and you enjoy it hey I am just so grateful for this. So thank you again for being here. And um, yeah, so I was very happy to interview Karina Ingster. So Karina is uh, an online trainer, she's a personal trainer as well from Canada and she's the author of Sprouted Gains, your vegan athlete starter kit so you can learn how to lose fat and gain muscle on a plant-based diet. So she also have uh, a collection of vegan resources and a 10 days free course on how to go vegan. Um, I'll put uh, all those uh, links in the show notes. So if you want to check out uh, Karina and you also want to find out more about uh, uh, her online coaching services, uh, head over the show notes uh, and you'll find all the links. With her, we talk about uh, misconception around veganism, uh, the challenge uh, of eating enough protein on a vegan diet. Um, We also start the conversation by... Um, discussing one of the posts uh, that one of my clients asked me about uh, last uh, week in the Team Pavone. So in particular, the post is about uh, training and the importance uh, um, of uh, training for losing fat and body recomposition purposes. So we bring back a post from Brad Jensen. The post was like, repeat after me, there are no fat burning workouts. You lose fat with a calorie deficit and uh, you should use your workouts to improve your health and change the shape of your your body. Now, this post has been shared by Karina in her stories, and one of my clients saw it, and uh, um, we started a very interesting conversation uh, around the topic. Um, I think the challenge uh, of uh, seeing it that way is that... uh, when we talk about it uh, uh, to people, like normal people that are not professionals, they tend to think, uh, they might tend to think that workouts are not necessary. So I just brought up the topic and ask uh, Karina's opinion. So that's uh, um, if you're confused about like how the episode start, then uh, it starts with her answer to this topic. So hey, long for ado, enjoy the show.
1: That's a good question. I feel like if, if people are working out for reasons that are not going to come to fruition, it's going to demotivate them anyways. So I feel like it's worth busting the bullshit around what workouts can do for you and what they can't do for you. It's kind of like going vegan, right? If people go vegan, just to lose weight, they're going to be disappointed, they're not going to stay vegan. Yeah. So if people are only working out to burn calories or to like in quotes make up for food that they've eaten yeah uh, that's not enough that's not yeah. enough they're not going to stick to it it's not really
0: agree yeah i totally agree and like uh, uh, i mean i work with busy professional and 70 percent of my clients are men and like i, mm-hmm. I work with like uh, some some of these uh, people are very i would say interested uh, if not addicted uh, to numbers and they have mm. this Apple Watch and all rings, and they like to see how much, how many calories they burn. So, like, this is one of my usual uh, uh, common questions that I get. Like, I I feel like I'm burning less calories in my workouts, uh, but hey, I'm losing weight. So, I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, we are winning.
1: Yeah, um, exactly.
0: So, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit challenging to kind of uh, explain that that's not, uh, you know, the, the purpose. So, yeah. I was very yeah, pleased to see totally that post on, on our group. To be fair,
1: <laughs> awesome,
0: cool. So you know, one of my first questions for you, and I'm so grateful that you are here today, because well, thanks you're for such having an inspiration. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not uh, not only for like what you do as a coach, uh, also as an entrepreneur. To me, it's like it just resonates with me. Like, yeah, when when you talk in one of uh, you know the group we are both in. Um, And you were saying that, uh, you know, this is one way to do things, but also there are other ways to do things. And yeah, how you build your business was just impressive. And your website is great.
1: Well, well, thank you. Much appreciated.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. It's it's a pleasure to have you here. And I'm curious, like, what uh, made you decide to go vegan? Like, when did that happen? And what was the main reason?
1: Great question. So I just celebrated my 19th vegan anniversary. So it's been almost two decades. I went vegetarian first, which is pretty common for folks Mm. who are wanting to make an ethical stance. They're like, oh, I'll go vegetarian. I won't eat meat anymore. So I was only 11 when I went vegetarian, entirely for ethical reasons. And this was before I had access to the internet. This was before social media, before all this information that's out there now was available around how animals are risks and how horrible animal agriculture is, etc. Anyway, so I went vegetarian, stopped eating meat and fish. But it took me five years to realize that the egg and the meat and the dairy industries are completely the same. They're morally indistinguishable from each other. So if my reasoning is coming from an ethical stance, not wanting to contribute to unnecessary torture and killing, then you necessarily have to eat no animal products Mm because they're all connected. right? If you eat eggs, you're supporting the chicken meat industry. If you eat dairy, you're supporting the veal industry. So it's all connected, but it took me five years to realize that. And when I did at the age of 16, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go vegan. And I basically did that overnight. Now, since then, in the last two decades, there have been other reasons. So nowadays, especially in the last, I would say, like two to five years, There's many more people who are going vegan specifically for health, specifically for the environment and our climate emergency. And they have ethical reasons around animals, either as non-existent or they come in later, you know, even years down the road. So now it's like athletic performance. It's my own health. It's the environment. It's climate change. But it will always, first of all, be an ethical decision.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's like um, that's very interesting to me because uh, that's uh, like at the moment we're always like talking a lot about uh, like the reason why people eat. Right. And and Mm -hmm. we know that there is a lot that that goes into that. Like there is the ethical part that is also important, but also like there is our environment and our community. Um, So like I'm curious when you were 11, what made you decide to go vegan? Were you just like, yeah? how did that happen?
1: You know, I wish I could remember. It was so long ago. So I went vegetarian when I was 11 and vegan when I was 16. And the vegan I remember more because it was, you know, wasn't that long ago. And I remember that clarity of like, oh, yeah, all animal agriculture is basically one and the same. But I wish I could tell you, like, I didn't have, you know, like a documentary watching experience or anything like that. I think it was just kind of like, you know, this doesn't seem... Right. Let me look into this. And both my parents are academics. My dad is a prof or was he's retired now. My mom was a high school teacher. So they were very like, oh, man, you got to do your research. You got to make sure you're doing your nutrition properly. Like, make sure you go and look into this and don't just start. And so I think some of that also helped, like looking into what I'm supposed to be doing and why. But, you know, I wish I could tell you there was no one like big catalyst event where I was like, oh, man, I have to make a change. It just kind of happened.
0: Yeah, that that that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I, I can, it, that can resonate with me because um, I mean, my, I was uh, I mean I'm, I'm eating less meat, like for sure, less meat products uh, and less animal products in general. Um, in the last two years it 's not because of any documentaries um, I think like what the health the documentary on uh, Netflix has been like debated a lot uh, um mm-hmm. because of the claims that has been made in the in the documentary but I think like the the good thing about it uh, whether those claims are uh, true or false, uh, is that uh, it uh, pushes people to think differently about food Okay, Precisely. and, and the reasons exactly that it. goes behind that so that, that's yep. that 's a good thing because when people think i think, i think is always a good thing. Um, but yeah but my partner is vegan so mm-hmm. we had to make it uh, happen right so I'm a bodybuilder at the moment I'm trying to build as much muscle as possible naturally so there are some challenges uh, like in uh, trying to eat less uh, animal products uh, and still like build muscle and and strength so I'm I'm super happy that you're here today because uh, i love to know first uh, from you What are some of the common misconceptions that you see between the people that join your team, your coaching program, or the people you simply talk to on your social media about Mm -hmm. uh, going vegan? Yeah.
1: Well, I think we could have a whole separate podcast episode on protein. So it's so cliche in the vegan world, you know, where do you get your protein from? So I'm not going to use that as an example. We could talk about that later if you want, but I feel like one thing that's really overrated is using veganism for weight loss so this is separate from building muscle competing in bodybuilding competitions etc a lot of folks come to veganism like they do for any other diet and i'm using diet in quotes here to lose weight Mm. and like i said in my intro you're going to be disappointed and you're not going to stick to veganism long term if your main priority is weight loss i mean it's a calories game it's a numbers game you could eat oreos and skittles and french fries literally hundred percent of the time and be vegan so <laughs> there's no guarantee right yeah so that's kind of one thing that's a little you know people are coming to it for maybe not quite long-term habit change reasons if that makes sense
0: yeah totally and you know so, sorry if i interrupt but i think like this is uh um, incredible like, and i think like I'm, i agree with you but when you look at the research uh, you see that generally like people that uh, um follow a vegan diet uh, are generally healthier Um, But I think like uh, we're not uh, disagreeing on that because uh, like you're just saying, hey, that's what happened. People that usually eat uh, less meat uh, from the research, uh, um, they tend to be also healthier because they tend to practice uh, gratitude and they tend to uh, be a little bit healthier, uh, like just be more active. They don't
1: smoke. They exercise more. There's all these other habits that go along with it for sure.
0: Yeah, so you're saying if you are not uh, a vegan now, don't just become, don't just try to be vegan uh, for the sake of uh, losing weight. Yeah, totally Well, look, great. I'm
1: happy for anyone to come to veganism for any reason yeah. at all. Of course, as an ethical vegan, I want more vegans in the world. Yeah. But I'm saying if that's your only motivation, it's probably not going to be enough. And you'll yeah. be disappointed
0: yeah because why why would you say that would you say that it's difficult to sustain it's just or is because it's just difficult to to fit a nutritional approach based on a ethical value that you don't really believe in
1: well it's kind of both, both. i feel like the folks that we know who are super long term vegans you know like my coach colleague who works with me with our team of clients she's been vegan for 12 years i've been vegan for 19 years these are all folks who have really deep seated ethical motivations for their yeah. actions. We're eating in a way that aligns with our values. That's pretty yes. powerful. If all we cared about was weight loss, what happens when you lose the weight you wanna lose? Do you stay vegan? I mean, it's not gonna be a long-term thing, even if you do get the results you want.
0: This is super important to, I think, all our listener because uh, yeah, we talk a lot about like the exercise of, uh, hey, just decide and write down your values and see them and leave them every day it's going to be much easier to stick to your uh, workout program and to your nutritional uh, approaches your diets so to say um so yeah like uh, that's a super powerful thing because then you don't have to kind of uh, there is no like there is a transition but it's easy because uh, those things align to who you want to be and who you are already today so, yep
1: you know i don't know if well you've probably read it but if your readers haven't james clear's atomic habits is one of my favorite books i'm sure, they I'm read sure you've read it yeah. um and so james clear says that habit change is identity change so yes. you need this identity piece around it and weight loss is not enough
0: yeah yeah and you know people usually when they talk about this like you can you can hear they say things like oh i'm trying to eat less meat um, but yeah, that's um, uh, that's another thing. And would you say it's good to eat less meat in general?
1: Of course, for so many reasons. Yes, absolutely.
0: Can you like just share a few?
1: Yeah, sure. So part of it is how we as humans are affecting our planet. So if you care about climate change, if you care about the environment, pollution, uh, deforestation, lack of biodiversity—all of these things you gotta eat less or no meat. It's really destructive. Animal agriculture is one of the top contributors to greenhouse gases. So there's the environment piece, which yeah. a lot of people are coming to now because you know, our climate emergency is front and center. There's also a health piece, but like you said, all of the research or most of the research that's been done is correlational. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily take other variables into account. Like, do you work out? Do you smoke? That kind of stuff. But there is some research that shows animal products can be inflammatory to our bodies. They, some of them are for sure linked to cancer. So we're looking at things like cured meats. There's a, there's a clear link there to cancer risk. Yeah, And also eating more plants you're getting more fiber, which 97% of the North American population is deficient in. Crazy. Like 3% of North Americans are getting the fiber they need every day, which is craziness.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how nuts. people do get to the, do go to the loo in the morning or like, <laughs> uh, that's one issue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think like on top of that, uh, when we look at the research, I think uh, that's that's the beauty of having a coach and working with someone who knows A, how to read the research and like how to come up with like guidelines and like with ideas that people can practice in their life it's that the research mm-hmm. most often they are self-reported so they just ask people yes. what they do which is like we know it's if you, inherent
1: if you, problems there yeah
0: yeah it's a big problem this is like a, yeah. i don't know and if if someone listening have tried, tried to count calories uh, they know like the challenge we're talking about because you know as soon as you 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 say that you are healthy and that you eat healthy but as soon as you track calories you realize that you're eating a lot of fat or a lot of uh, Mm -hmm. one of a certain macronutrient so yeah um totally big challenge out there uh okay cool so you know i i wonder like you look great you show like an impressive strength especially body weight i saw some videos and i'm like and I want to, I want to be like, Karina, <laughs> so, and we also know that, um, um, you know, when we talk about going vegan, um, we certainly don't have to accept uh, that we will eat less protein, but it, in my experience, uh, I mean, since I started uh, eating less meat and less animal product, uh, it is definitely a challenge uh, to match the protein intake that I want to get. So I'm just curious about a little bit uh, how you manage your own training and your own nutrition. Um, so do you count calories for yourself and, and mm. macronutrients?
1: Right. Okay. Well, let's, let's address the protein piece first. Yeah. So there's kind of two parts to this. One is, yeah, it's different. It's a different landscape if you're trying to get a certain amount of protein on completely plants and only mm-hmm. plants. Yeah. Our plant-based protein sources, if they're whole foods, all come with carbs and fats. Whereas if you're an omnivore. You could eat something that's a so-called lean protein and basically just get protein with maybe a little bit of fat and a little bit yeah. of carbs, or no carbs and just a little bit of fat. Yeah. So the situation is different if you're plant-based versus not. Part of it might be some BS busting around how much protein we actually need, though, because there's a lot of gym bro science out there saying you gotta have like three gram protein for every well, pound of body no. weight. I mean, okay, not exactly, but yeah. you get the idea. So yeah, part no, of it is looking at. That, yeah sure yeah we we need to look at okay how much protein do we actually need even if we're elite strength athletes and it's generally less than we think so that's part of it if you're trying to match a really unrealistic protein goal on a vegan diet it's not going to happen so you need to make sure that the goal makes sense at first Um, We have a calculator on our website that's specifically for vegans, and it shows you how much protein you need. So you could check that out. But for myself, I don't count calories. I don't count macros, but it's only because I've done it in the past. So with our clients, we use food tracking as a short-term means-to-an-end educational tool so that they get to a place where they don't have to track their food. You're not going to be attached to an app For the rest of your life tracking your food that is not realistic so you know nowadays maybe i'll track my food three days every three months just to kind of see where i'm at am i still hitting my targets but i'm also not a competitive athlete i compete with myself and that's about it so if i was okay maybe i would be a little more rigid with with nutrition but that's just not a priority of mine yeah so you know part one is yeah i've done calorie and macro counting in the past so i know where i'm at now but part two is i'm also not super regimented and strict on these things
0: yeah that that's uh, that's exactly what we do in the team pavone um you know some people and i think like uh, i'm just curious to grab your uh your your um perspective on this because uh, you know i always thought uh, okay we count calories so at least uh at the beginning, as a fresh personal trainer, I always thought, okay that's a, a safe tool because we have numbers we can manage them, we know when something when the weight loss stop, we know what to do, but that's also like a, one way of doing things now when you have enough food awareness and enough body awareness, so you are connected with your signal of satiety and hunger and you have a structure with your diet like you you did it for many years so now you have a pretty good idea of what you need to eat in order to get where you want to be so that's good and also mm-hmm. like so we have these two methods uh, and they're not exclusive for each other like we we can use uh, my fitness pal every now and then and we can be more intuitive like during the rest of the time so that's that's how i think about it uh, at the mm-hmm. moment but I also we know that there are two different people there are some people that works really well with the uh, with like a rigid structure. So more with like a goal of calories and macronutrients, and that gives them like calm and serenity. Mm Whether other people, they feel, and and I'm more the second type, I feel like every fat loss diet that I did with counting calories, that was way more challenging than when I did like an intuitive approach. So what's your take on that? Like, I'm just curious, like if you have one of those clients, you work with one of those clients who really like tracking calories and macros do you still like uh, helping developing the awareness necessary to be more intuitive
1: yes absolutely so that's a really good question and of course this is like everything in nutrition and everything in fitness there is no one size fits all approach and if, t- if someone tells you there is they're lying or they're yeah. full of shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if there's a client and we're talking like probably two out of a hundred who are super into data and tracking and they love it and they're doing their spreadsheets and they're doing their MyFitnessPal. pal. Yes, of course, first of all, we're going to support them in doing whatever they need to do to feel mentally psychologically healthy about their journey right so if tracking their food in an APP is actually a positive for them and doesn't send them into some negative spiral. You know because for some folks actually legitimately they should not be tracking food at all in the first yeah. place yeah. but if it is very positive for someone if they like like you said if they feel calm and grounded and it helps them first of all we'll support them in doing that but second we'll also give them a couple challenges to get more intuitive for example tracking your whole day of food after the day is over versus going through your day tracking throughout the day so you eat for an entire day without tracking and then track at the end of the day, it's a little harder to remember what you ate, but you're not going to be looking at your calories and your percentages and your macros throughout the day and make an intuitive or, or small adjustments. Yeah. So it's kind of a small way of doing that.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So I like that, uh, that uh, it, it's sometimes like uh, what I um, advise people, it's uh, to track before. Uh, the day start but th- that's just yes. like to make the tracking a little bit smoother but i like the, the challenge uh, to try to live the day without like counting calories uh, and mm-hmm. then just try to recall so that's already a good exercise because uh, we use our, our memory and um yeah so it's, well it's uh, mostly
1: for people who have done tracking a long time though yes. already right. right so like yeah, yeah if you're starting out i think i think the approach of tracking first makes way more sense yes. because you're still learning okay how much protein does this food have what do the calories look like you might not even know what your breakfast looks like until you put it into my fitness pal yeah so do that first and make any adjustments and then eat but yeah. if you've been tracking food for six months or something which is a very long time to track food then you might want to try the after the fact approach
0: yeah and yeah totally cool and so when it comes to your um, approach so i guess uh, when it comes to like your diet, uh, I mean, I, I saw one post one day where you said that uh, you eat a lot of calories, over 3000 calories. Is it correct?
1: I used to. So when I worked as a coach for seven years in a gym before I went online in yeah.
0: 2017,
1: Yeah. Yeah, between 3000 and 3300 calories a day of vegan ah, that food, makes me which feel is so a good. lot of food.
0: <laughs> that's a lot of foods and especially like when you when you talk about uh, um, a, a vegan diet uh, most of your calories I guess like they come from whole minimally processed food uh, and so like uh, they don't have a lot of energy density I mean they have they are full of nutrients can you still hear me yeah
1: yeah yeah okay
0: perfect so there's two, I, I, I'm just saying this because uh, one of my usual vegan recipes like uh, a vegan chili with black beans mm. and chickpeas sometimes I put as well some vegan meat but that's Mm -hmm. not all the time. Um, And that's amazing. But after a bowl, I'm so full. And I can't imagine someone overeating that. So that's probably also one of the reasons why is an indirect reason why people lose weight after they switch to veganism, because they eat more whole and minimally processed food and more um, nutrient dense food uh, and less calorie dense food. So do you have like I don't know, three, four meals. I literally been asked today by one of my clients when I told him, I'm going to interview Karina today. So he said, you need to ask her what she, (laughs) because uh, he's trying to eat less meat uh, and he, he's challenged uh, because either it's very low protein and like a lot of Mm. carbs and a lot of fat, uh, Mm -hmm. or uh, he doesn't like his, his, his meals.
1: Right. Good question. So if this guy in particular, or any other one of your listeners are on the higher end of calories, so you said you work mostly with males, if they're super active, if they need like over 3000 calories a day, I actually do have three days worth of my super high calorie, I think up to 3800 calories, uh, food logs on our website, um, on our blog. So if you actually want to see like what it looks like in practice, you can just search like 3000 calories on our website, and it'll come up. But awesome. You know, you could make a smoothie with a thousand calories in it and drink it in eight minutes, technically, with lots of nut butter, with your hemp hearts, chia seeds, flax seeds, soy milk, etc. So smoothies are always a good option. Even if you're not high calorie, smoothies are a great option to just pack in whole nutrients in an easily digestible form. Yes. Throw in some vegan protein powder in there. That'll give you another 25 grams of protein you know, your banana, your, I like soy milk because it's higher in protein than other options, but you could do almond milk or oat milk. There's so many options now. Your fruit, some people really like putting greens in there. It's super easy. I mean, smoothies are like a staple in the fitness world. But if smoothies are not your thing, you're gonna need to think about protein and you're not really going to get concentrated sources of protein from things like beans and nuts. Nuts have more fat than they do protein, and legumes have more carbs than they do protein. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat those things. You should, for sure. But if you're somebody who strength trains, if you're somebody who is in a calorie deficit, and or if you're someone who has body composition goals, you need protein. And you need concentrated forms of protein. And I think that's where people who are making the transition to veganism have some challenges. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm eating beans. I'm eating hemp hearts and like almonds, and I'm not hitting my protein goal. So what you need is your vegan protein powerhouses. So we're looking at things like tempeh, tofu, nutritional yeast, seitan, which is 75% protein, by the way. Seitan
0: is crazy high in protein. It's insane. And I don't mind the, the taste. I like it.
1: Yeah, you can make yeah. your own too. I make mine so I know exactly what's going into it. You can flavor it however you really? want.
0: Does yeah, it take long easy. to make it? How do you make it?
1: No, all you need is the the vital wheat gluten, which sounds really weird, but it's the the kind of proteinous part of wheat. Yes. And this has been around for thousands of years, right? Like Buddhist monks invented it years ago. Meat. So if you ever go to a Chinese dim sum restaurant, for example, all of the faux meats are seitan. Um, so yeah, you basically just make it into a dough and then you can boil it. You can bake it if you want it kind of more crispy we have a barbecue so we slice it into slices and then like marinate it and grill it it's super super good
0: well that's a, that's already like a super good solution because like satan it's very adaptable so you, i guess i, I remember exactly. i did a ragu one day uh, but you can put it in a sandwich you can put it in, in a salad yeah okay. and
1: one thing that i feel like people don't really have on their radar is alternative pastas I don't know if this is on your radar or your listeners radar at all, but we're talking like noodles made out of chickpeas or red lentils or edamame might sound kind of weird, but it kind of feels like you're just eating regular pasta, but you're getting 25 grams of protein in a very small serving of just the pasta, which is pretty insane. If you think about it, it is
0: insane, but don't say that it's similar to the normal pasta to my Italian listeners.
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, no, and no, also I, just... I, I got to put in a plug. The black bean pasta is gross and not oh, okay. like any other kind of pasta. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to lie. I tried the lentils pasta. It was not bad. I mean, like we did not it bad. with a vegan. So, and and like when you consider that you have more protein in the pasta, and then if you use a high protein sauce, like, I don't know, a seitan ragu, I mean, there are many yeah. vegan alternatives um, like um, vegan meat, um, meat alternatives. So you can make a ragu with uh, already a high protein pasta. That's like super high in protein and you don't need to eat a lot of it. uh, So you probably don't feel like, yeah, you don't feel like super full, like with a lot of stuff (laughs) in your stomach. Yeah.
1: Yep. Your Italian listeners might just have to like do a little bit of a mindset shift around that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I would say more of a culture shift. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. but that's uh, you know that's the beauty like uh, that it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be the whole time like the and the whole life um you know it can be something that people try um and they can try to implement like for example you went to vegetarian first and then you shift to vegan because it was really aligned with your values and and your ethic um but again there are some so many like health uh, Positive effect when you switch to vegan and you still follow a high protein diet, that it's worth considering. How can people start to implement that uh, little things in in their life? So it can be one day a week they don't eat uh, the red uh, meat, uh, like a steak, and they uh, eat like I don't know lentils pasta. I think it's yeah,
1: yeah, it's 100%. a low hanging fruit,
0: right? It's easy exactly. to try, mm-hmm. especially now that we have so much more uh, um, product on the shelves. So literally, like on in Lidl, I'm sure uh, 15 years ago when I was living in Italy, I don't remember any vegan meat on the shelf, right? Probably so it's not, been yeah. boom yeah, in the late, last years. Absolutely. All right. So, and Karina, do you have any goals for your own fitness uh, at the moment or you're just training for like uh, fun and health and yeah?
1: Yeah, you know what? I I actually kind of gave up having goals of any kind in 2019. I read a book called Goal-Free Living, and it really resonated with me. And I'm someone who comes from like obsessively planning things, spreadsheets, long-term goals, habit trackers, the whole thing. So yeah, you know, there are certain things that I have as basic motivators, like I want to be 95 and kicking ass, and I want to be around for my family, and I want to be able to do the things I want to do in life, right? But I don't have specific training goals, you know, other than beating my own PRs occasionally. Um that I do nice. a lot of swimming for my low back. I've got chronic low back issues, but I really enjoy it as well. So it's kind of like my conditioning of choice. So um I open water swim in when when the season is right, lake, ocean, exactly. that kind of
0: stuff. So in, and it, yeah. I just like doing it. It's pretty cold out there, right? Where are you leaving?
1: Well, it is in the winter. Yeah. Uh, it's actually rare that we get snow. So we're not like Eastern Canada freezing our asses off all the time. Yeah. But it's definitely not the season right now in winter. Like, I'm not going to go out there and do an open water swim. I think that starts maybe in like June, May at the earliest.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting what you said. I found interesting what you said about the goals. Because I come from a professional uh, athlete background. So I used to be a swimmer. And ah. I competed at world championships, so it, I just function with goals, you know. And I'm very strict with myself with my training, but I tend to shift it. I, like a few years back, I shift away from that mentality. Like specifically, mm. I think a, one thing that can resonate well with the, with the listener is uh, the time frame, the specific time frame for a goal. Say that you want to lose, uh, I don't know, eight kilos of fat, like. To me, the cost of having like a specific time frame for that goal, it's higher than the actual like working on the goal itself. So you can just uh, start working on mm-hmm. that uh, without having necessarily have the stress. That's a challenge for us because uh, we sell like a three, six and 12 months coaching program. So for sure we want to have uh, some tangible data to look uh, to after the, the period of coaching is finished so that we can measure it and say, actually we are getting better or we're getting closer to your goals or not, mm-hmm. but like in the past, when I had a specific time frame, say, okay, we have to lose it before the 17th of June for many people, it was actually demotivating because, Hey, life gets in the way, you know, many, many challenges can come up. So, you know, it, m- it might be that you need another couple of weeks to reach that goal. So, um, how do you like, did you, can you repeat a book you read about goals?
1: Yeah. It's called goal-free living.
0: Oh, okay. Goal-free living. Remember from, uh, you remember right the author?
1: Now, but... No, I can't right now. Okay, it's, it's off of Goal my off of my brain. <laughs>
0: that's fine.
1: Actually, I might be able to find it right now. Let me just see here. Goal-free living. Here we go. How to live the life you want now? Steven Shapiro.
0: Yeah, I mean, interesting. Yeah. Personal trainer who doesn't have goals. Like <laughs> that, that, that's 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 a news to me, and that's uh, I'm happy to hear that. You know.
1: Well, you know what? I feel like there's some inherent goals if I'm tracking habits. I'm very into tracking habits still. So it's not like I'm just totally flying by the seat of my pants and not tracking anything. I still do track things like what I train on which days. I have certain habits that I'm tracking in a little like tracker app thing. So I guess kind of by default, the goal is consistency long term. Yeah. But we're not talking about like what you just said about like, you know, a certain weight loss goal by a certain date. It doesn't really work. And with our clients, sure, some of them have goals like that, but we try to turn them into habit goals or habit tracking kind of things, if you don't want to call it a goal. Um, And you want to be able to track your inputs versus your outputs. And this is something we talk about on, on my podcast a lot. Inputs are things that you have direct control over your food you put in your mouth the workouts you're doing the number of days a week you're training whether you're meditating every morning or not those are all inputs you can track those you have direct control over those the outputs are things that people turn into their goals like the number on the scale the amount of weight you're deadlifting for one rep max your 100 meter swim sprint time those are all outputs and you don't have direct control over them so what we need to be measuring is inputs and not outputs
0: totally focus on what you can control and that that's something that uh, you know when we do our check-in process every week um we have a weekly check-in for all the clients in 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 our coaching program and one of the questions is uh, what needs to happen to make next week a success and Mm sometimes i see a new client uh, answering oh the we the the weight needs to go down a couple of kilos and I know already that that's a conversation that I need to have with that client uh, talking about, hey, you know, there are things that we can control, uh, like, I don't know, drinking a glass of water, we can do it right, right away. And there are things that we can't control. So, you know, maybe you go through Christmas and you gain a couple of kilos. That, that's not really like something that you should uh, obsess over because that's, uh, again, a consequence of your behavior. So you should focus on those.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly
0: super interesting uh, karina i really like i think uh, this is, was already a very good conversation i really like to steal away from you a couple of uh, recipes uh, that people like that are quick uh, they have like high in protein so let's say between 20 and 40 grams of protein. I think that's a realistic amount. It's a range. Mm -hmm. So if you're a bit bigger, you can, you know, spice it up to 40. And if you're a bit smaller, you can stay on the 20 to 25 side. Um, What are a couple of recipes that like you can do like very quickly, kind of cheap, vegan and high in protein? I mean, I'm challenging you right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are air fryers as big in Europe as they are in Canada right now?
0: I saw that you use one and I'm really tempted to try one. I don't think I, I, I've i been, I grew up without one, but yeah, I know of many, many of my clients have one. So I think it's, yeah, it's pretty okay. popular.
1: It's it's not a must. I mean, we have I, probably 70% of our clients at this point have one. Okay. And I came into this whole concept thinking it was just another friend, another these convinced me to get one. And I'm like, okay, this is a complete game changer. And I mention it just because for vegan protein specifically, so your tofu, your tempeh, your seitan, it's a game changer. If you have an air fryer, it's going to change the texture, the crispiness. You can do your food prep just in half the time as if you used an oven. So from a time perspective, from a texture perspective, just putting a plug out there for air fryers. I feel like I should be an associate or an affiliate for these people.
0: <laughs> Ooh, you should. You should. I mean, yeah, you have such seriously. a big website as well. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so one of the one of the things that we do is exactly what we were talking about before which is our high protein pasta with an additional protein source on top of it so you can have your high protein pasta you have your sauce of choice usually a veggie tomato based thing with or without protein in it and then you have your choice of protein powerhouse which is your seitan Maybe you have some veggie meatballs on there. Maybe you have some tofu or some tempeh. That is easily going to give you between 20 and 40 grams of protein. Probably closer to 40, actually, because the pasta by itself is already 25 to 30 without all the other things.
0: And I mean, I really feel tempted to try because I saw, I, I tried the tofu once, and I mean once a few times, but I didn't really like it. Um, but then I had it once uh, it was uh, like a very good quality and it was like very cooked well and it was um, I think um, um, in a marinade for a, for a few hours yes so like yes. definitely how you make tofu impacts uh, the taste uh, and the texture so I saw the picture of your tofu I think it was air fried tofu man yes. it was good
1: right it's yeah. crispy it's kind of like a little tofu puff crispy on the outside yeah. soft on the inside it's perfect Awesome. Yep. So a lot of our clients will make those little tofu cube things Mm -hmm. in a large batch, and then they can just add it as a protein source to whatever else they're eating. They put them on salads, they put them on their pasta, dump it into a soup you're making. It's pretty versatile. But the the pasta thing is kind of where we start because it's just so high in protein. It's so easy to make. Something else you could do is if you're getting into tofu, if you're wanting to kind of like experiment a little bit with cooking methods. It's basically a blank slate. It's kind of like seitan. It doesn't really have a taste on its own. Mm. You need to spice it up. It takes on the taste of whatever you're cooking it with. So tofu scramble is huge in the vegan world. Yeah, So huge. And of course, it depends how you're making it and what the exact recipe is. But basically, it's crumbled tofu. So you have to get the right texture with a crap load of vegetables. And so the tofu here obviously is your protein source. You could easily get 25 to 35 grams of protein in one bowl of tofu scramble. I like mine with ketchup because it's kind of like egg scramble. You know, you put some turmeric in there, it turns yellow. You put your veggies in there, you put some ketchup on it. Love it, it's super easy. It'll take you probably 10 minutes, including chopping veggies.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. So I'm sure like um, uh, my client, uh... Simone, he would love it. He would love it. He would love the advice. So thank you for that. Of course. Karina, it was uh, really a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Uh, thank you for uh, for making the time and being here. I have one last question um, that i like to ask you. And is there uh, something that you wish I asked for that I didn't?
1: Mm, that's such a good question. I think we covered a lot of things, so nothing's really coming to mind. I feel like... Um, well, maybe there's one thing for folks who are now interested in eating less meat. Yes. Going vegan. Like, what are the action items? Where does someone, right? So they've heard the conversation, or they're already thinking about going more plant-based. I like it. How the hell do they start? They're feeling yeah. overwhelmed.
0: <laughs> well,
1: and so, yeah, that would be kind of one thing we could touch on really quickly.
0: Yeah, well, I, I can already give you the hint that the first step is heading over uh, KarinaInstar.com and educate <laughs> yourself even even further. And uh, what would you say are the following steps?
1: Well, thanks for the plug. We do have a lot of vegan resources, so yes, we have we have a whole vegan resources page with a bunch of free things. There's a 10 day course you can take completely free, how to go vegan. There's a 350 item grocery list, so if you need inspiration for like what do I eat as a vegan, there's 350 options.
0: That's better. But really,
1: um, I would say there's two things. One is make sure that your mindset is one of abundance and not of avoidance. So if you're coming into veganism thinking, oh man, I can't eat this anymore. Can't yes. eat that, that anymore. I need to stay away from this. This is off limits. Yeah. It's not going to last. Yeah. We need to think of how many plant-based foods can i cram onto my plate what are some new recipes i've never tried what are some new plant-based foods i can eat i mean the foods i eat now half of them i didn't even know existed before i went vegan there's a huge variety of foods it's nuts yeah
0: Yeah, it's nuts. so it's
1: kind of a mindset uh shift just making Mm -hmm. sure you're you're not thinking in terms of avoidance and then logistically we often work with our clients one meal at a time you don't need to go vegan overnight you start with your breakfast for however long it takes to get that to be the new norm try your oatmeal have a smoothie do your tofu scramble for a week or a month or half a year whatever you need then move on to lunch veganize that for a while then move on to dinner then move on to snacks you're kind of doing it in like a chronological order i guess yeah and it just Um, kind of logistically is easier for some folks
0: I like that. I like that. And like, uh, well, if we can circle back to like point two, like that's super helpful to have something that we're, uh, we are big on and that is the growth mindset. So if you right. approach it with the, like, uh, hey, you're trying to fix a problem, it's not going to work. But if you approach exactly. it like, uh, you know, this vegan game can get better. Like now you might not know all the tools that you need to be like fully vegan. So give exactly. yourself like, yeah, <laughs> allow yourself to know that you start from day one. Um, yes,
1: like anything, long term, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm in my twentieth year of being vegan now, and I fully acknowledge that I'm learning new things every single day.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I love that. And it's not easy, right? Sometimes it's uh, it's easy to 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 fall in the loop uh, of things that don't work well. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a good reminder as well to 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 know that you can have a growth mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. And perhaps on the se- on the third point, so the the, the second yours point um it's um how can we make uh, this meal so let's say every time we sit at the table we look at our plate or we decide about which meal to make we can think of uh, how can we make this a little bit more vegan for example Mm -hmm. to start with or what would be a more vegan option than this meal that i want to make and what would be a slightly less vegan option exactly and and there's there's a
1: lot of resources out there that are that are visual so for the visual learners you can look at little like vegan plates where it shows you a percentage like a little pie chart of what your plate could look like i mean in day-to-day logistics nobody eats like that nobody looks at like okay here's my 30 percent vegetables you know but it at least gives you an idea of what it could look like
0: exactly Karina, thank you so much and um uh, do you have uh, any you know, a particular project coming on or um, um, and one question I had for you is, uh, do you currently accept new clients?
1: Good question. Yes. So we do have a few coaching spots. Karinainkster.com is where we have our application where you can look at all of our coaching options. Right now, that's what we're focusing on. It's the beginning of the year. We've got a huge team of clients from the world and we only work with folks who are already vegan or who want to make the transition. So we do help. A lot of folks to get to that place in the first but it's very plant-based focused and project wise i have my fifth book coming out in june so it's still a ways away but it's going to be a kind of a second edition of the one that came out recently which is on resistance band strength training yes so it has nothing to do with veganism um, but this one is resistance band strength training for seniors so for the older clientele Um, It's specific to that. And my mom who is 70 is the model for that book. So she's demonstrating all the exercises.
0: I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, and that's, uh, that's just like opening up a a further question. And it's like, do you find it's challenging for, as a coach uh, and online presence uh, to find your voice and to decide what to talk about in terms of like either nutrition and training? Because I guess like uh, if you go in training, like there is a, Like there are all these massive experts in training and then if you go into nutrition there are all these certified nutritionists so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how did you find your voice and uh, the good balance between the two because i i know and i saw that you do both very well
1: well thank you for that i feel like the the unifying factor is veganism for us anyways you can't really talk about training in its own bubble and strength or and nutrition in its own bubble they're they're connected Mm -hmm. but it is stemming from the values of veganism so that's what connects us to our audience because people who are coming to us know that we have similar values they know that their coaches aren't going to be annoying them about drinking their whey protein shakes and doing their chicken breast or whatever so part of it is just having the same values connects us to our audience. And we put that into all of our messaging and that's part of our voice really when it comes down to it.
0: That's beautiful. And uh, there there is a book that I will, I just finished reading. Um, It's called high 10 from Martin Rooney. And they talk a lot about culture and like the culture and the importance in culture of culture in business. So um, Mm. you know, how business fail that they have a poor culture and how culture permeates the whole business so I really like Mm -hmm. this because uh, you live uh, like by your values uh, and your business reflect that and I think that's also part of the reason why you're successful and also because you are a very good uh, coach (laughs) uh, and you have a very good uh, I think service that solves a problem Um, but I like that and that's something where yeah I'll explore that uh, even even further
1: awesome well thank you
0: all right Karina was amazing isn't it? Um, she's a very um, educated and very smart coach and she's very clear about her mission so, Um, I really appreciate that Uh, and uh, I'm definitely like in the process uh, of uh, finding uh, our uh, culture and really like uh, uh, writing down uh, the pillars of our uh, coaching program but for sure we focus uh, on a growth mindset so we work with all the people who want to who are open to change and um, have already changed but they want to optimize their change process and people that want to learn how to train and optimize their training so in a way that set them up for success and also we talk a lot about nutrition so you probably heard us and me talking about calorie counting and as well intuitive eating and the importance of eating more protein and the importance of eating more whole food so all this ties well in uh the fact that we need food to survive and what we put through our mouth have a big impact on our health and our body composition both in the short medium and long term so yeah i found this conversation like particularly helpful and uh, um you know inspiring Hey, are you a busy man in your 30 who want to lose 5 to 20 kilos of fat in 2022 and learn how to implement a sustainable method that, that keeps you fit and healthy for all of your life? Well, definitely check out our online signature coaching program the tight t-shirt transformation Um, by accessing the tight t-shirt transformation you will not only get access to personalized uh, training and nutrition coaching every week but you'll also get access to the team pavone a community of like-minded people where you can interact with the other clients so you can learn the secrets behind other clients success and you can get support when you need it the uh, Thai T-shirt transformation, uh, it's only available for this week, so I don't always enroll people in the program, but it happens uh, at a specific time in the year. So after this week is, go- is finished, this opportunity will be gone. And I'm looking f- specifically for five men who want to achieve a new level of success with all their body goals. So if this is you, just head over the show notes and fill out the application form um, in the tight T-shirt transformation link.